He's been dead for eight years. Okay, there are a handful of films that my family loves to watch. Like, not Kip and Callie and Jamie and I, but like my family with like my parents, Mm -hmm. my siblings, and that is one of them. We love that movie. That and Ernest Saves Christmas. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) So that, of course, is John Candy, the late John Candy, Steve Martin, who's a genius, and they are in planes, trains, and automobiles. Automobiles. Yeah, it's a great movie. Okay, so are you more like Dell or more like Neil? I would say a little bit more like Dale, I think. I, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Fun movie, Thanksgiving. So that's kind of why we're here. Yes, we are here because uh, we're not here. Uh, we're You're listening to us because you are away and we're away, but we still want to have an opportunity to worship and talk theology and God and Thanksgiving. And so hopefully you're listening to, uh, to us as maybe you're going down the road or uh, sitting around uh, before or after a Thanksgiving meal, and it's an opportunity to, to spend a little time in worship. And so on November 23rd, there will not be a meal. There will not be a Bible class. The building will be cold, dark, and locked. So don't come here. Listen to this instead and enjoy time with your family. And um, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, just just how long have we done this now? This is probably year number five, maybe? It's way more than that. Six. Yeah. Know. We've been doing this for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So this year we are talking about why things are the way that they are. And we just kind of have some fun stuff and then we'll transition to, into some more church related issues. But uh, I'll go first. Uh, do you know why manhole covers are round? No, I do not. It is so they can't fall in the hole that they're covering. If they were square, so think of like your water meter um, cover. If it were square, you could turn it at the hypotenuse and it would fall on. And yeah, so if, you, round, if you twisted it a few and then put it on its end, yeah, it would just drop right down. And in so there. they're round because no matter how you yeah. turn them, they won't fall in. Yeah. Yeah, fun fact. Yep. That was pretty fun. Okay, I got a, a fun fact for you. How come there are 18 holes in golf? I do not know. Okay, there is a myth around this, which is completely untrue. But just arbitrarily, the, the first golf course was St. Andrews. They had 22. They renovated and, and combined a few, ended up with 18. And then a few years later, they said 18 shall be the number. And, and there are other people that talk about how whiskey was involved with the number of uh, uh, shots that you would take. And they've debunked that and said, no, that's just people want to make that up. So it's so- just – it's because it's what the Scots did. That's what the rest of us have to do forevermore. Yeah. I can't think of holes. another area of life that we let the Scots pick because we're not wearing kilts. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're not? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> um, horsepower. Okay, so James Watt is the one who who invented the steam engine, and he, he tried to watch horses and tried to formulate how powerful his engines were. So um, he missed by just a little bit. Do you know how much horse? power a actual horse can produce 
Um, I'm going to generate, say it generates uh, 1.75. It can generate up to 15. Wow. So he was off by, by a factor of 15. But my kids were asking me why we still calibrate engine or not calibrate but describe yeah measures that way and i was like well it goes back to the horses but i didn't really i couldn't actually answer yeah. it so i went and found that one okay uh how about this one since we're talking about uh automobiles and uh horsepower how about right side driving how did we end up on the right side and other countries uh end up on the left is this when because if you were passing on a lane in england you wanted your dominant hand on the outside so you couldn't stab and rob somebody that you've met on a country road? I think that was pos- part of why they go on the opposite side, why we choose the right oh, side. Oh, yeah, because they go on the left. Yeah. Yes. Well, we would go on the right. A-, a couple of reasons. Really, the big reason is um, when the Model T came out in 1908, they put it on the, the driver on the left side, and it really just stuck. Um, but before that, it makes sense to it have been on the right side because it wasn't an automobile. It was a carriage, and you would use your right hand for the whip, and you did not want that whip, you know, impe- oh. uh, impeded by the, the passenger. And then you also have the shotgun, which was the passenger. You would think they would want to have access to the gun in the middle, so yeah. the shotgun would want to be on the left side. Okay, yes, so, that makes sense. So there you have it. All right, uh, I'm going to – skip here i'm gonna get to one that goes to the horses okay so when i was a kid and i was learning to ride a horse i asked my grandfather why you have to mount on the left okay Okay. and this is what he told me because you milk a cow on the right and in my very childhood brain that made sense like oh okay yeah so you milk a cow on the right you mount a horse on the left and i never forgot it my whole life and then as an adult, I kind of got to thinking about this, like maybe there's more logic to it than only that. And so I looked it up and soldiers carried their swords on their left leg so they could reach across their body with their right arm to yes. draw their sword out. Well, if you tried to mount a horse with a sword that's as long as your leg but doesn't bend with your yeah. knee, then the sword would stab the animal and things would go poorly. And so with your leg – with putting your left leg in, in the stirrup with your sword on that side, it just dangles free and everything's fine. So it's because of soldiers and swords. All right. Okay. So I have one. Uh, why do uh, men's buttons and women's buttons on the opposite side? Do you know this one? Okay. Is this because servants helped ladies dress That's back correct. then? That's correct. And so men usually dress themselves, the wealthy dress themselves, so they had their buttons. I guess the button would be on the, the, the left and then the – you would use your right hand to pull over. This but new podcast is just left hand and right hand issues. Yes, that's it. it. That's yes, all we're it talking is. about. So, so apparently, when when you wear your wife's shirts, your blouses, <laughs> she has to help button them up for you. Oh wow, I am <laughs> running away from that. Okay, so uh, I've got a few more. If you want to catch me at church and ask me about marathons or cannons and international water you can ask me about that um i i am going to skip to a future one okay okay so kip and callie's kids maybe their grandkids are gonna say hey uh grandpa kip how come we take communion in in those zip and sip cups and they are gonna look back and say well way back in the day there uh was a plague in 2020 that swept through and it was a respiratory disease and we got out of school and all this crazy stuff and that's when we started doing the zip and zips. They, yeah. They're going to talk about that in the future. And then they're going to say, and we used to actually pass 
the trades yes. for the offering. Yeah, I, I just wonder in the next 15 to 20 years how many communion trays are going to end up on eBay because churches just aren't using them anymore. And didn't we actually take a survey here and the church said that they preferred the zip and zips? That That is that is correct. And we're still doing them. I voted the other way, but I'm not bitter. Yeah, yeah. so. Okay, I, I do have one. I'll close out on this one, which is appropriate for what we just went through last week, is the daylight savings time. And I thought oh forever gosh. it was about farmers. It's not. It's buses and kids. No. Right? No, no, no. no. It, initially, it started with Benjamin Franklin in the 18th century. He was like, hey, it would be better for candle usage if we had that extra hour of daylight that we weren't literally burning a candle. That was just a thought. Nothing happened. But about 150 years later, World War I broke out. Uh, and that's when they figured out that they could save, at least the, the propaganda was that they could save a million tons of coal if they switched to one hour and people weren't burning coal uh, at nighttime when instead they would have that little extra daylight. And so it was implemented, I think, in uh, 1918. Okay. So there you have it. And so actually standard time is what most people don't like, and it's what we're only on for four months a year. So daylight savings time is what most of us would prefer to be on most of yes. the time. Yeah. But since we're not burning candles or coal for functional purposes – I'm ready for us to just stick to one well, time. Well, I think they say that in the winter they don't want the kids out at the bus stop when it's super yeah. dark in, in January or December or whatever. Okay, so uh, as we sometimes do, I have invented a game. Oh, great. And then, okay, at and my so expense. Um, I spent a lot of money on these sound effects. Okay, so this is the first one. It's so amazing. Okay, that's turkey. Okay, oh, and great. then this one is... It's me singing. That's truth. And so the game is turkey or truth. Oh, great. Okay. okay. This is trivia related mostly around Thanksgiving, the pilgrims, that type oh, of thing. Oh, no. Okay. Um, there's seven questions. Oh, okay. So on. keep your own score because I'm managing the sound effects. Okay. okay. Come on. If I can get so three right. The first one. Oh, this one is super easy. Oh. The pilgrims were all black. Is that turkey or is that truth? They were what? The pilgrims wore all wore black. All black. Is I'm that gonna, turkey or is that truth? I'm going to say that that's turkey. You're correct. It is turkey. The pilgrims were not the dour people that we picture them being. So you got that one correct. All right. One for okay. one, baby. Number two. The pilgrims feasted because most of the 105 people who made the trip survived the first rough winter. Turkey or truth? No, that would be uh, turkey. That is turkey. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah, about half of them died the first winter, and that was actually a good thing because it's because there were fewer mouths to feed that the small amount of food that they had carried them through. Yeah. And so it's one of those, like, really sad facts that actually benefited them, and they yeah. actually, in a roundabout way, thanks God for that. Okay, you're you're doing really well. One more, uh, baby. Number three. Squanto spoke English. I'm going to say, man, that can't be true, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no, a turkey. It's true. Squanto was kidnapped by an English captain by the name of Thomas Hunt. Way to go, Thomas Hunt. He lived in Europe. He learned English. Um, In fact, when he comes upon the pilgrims, he speaks to them in English and they were stunned, and he told them their story, and yeah, interesting stuff. 
Okay, so I think you're two and one. Number four, just like the cartoons, the Indians taught the pilgrims to plant corn with a dead fish in the ground to fertilize the seed. Is that turkey or is that truth? I'm going to say truth. That, that is true. When I read that, so everybody knows I, I teach at Veritas, and we read a Plymouth plantation. It's uh, William Bradford's personal journal, and I was stunned that that was actually true because I saw that in every cartoon as like a kid, and then you grow up and you're like, there's no way that's true, and it certainly is. Okay, uh, next one. I was watching Speaking different cartoons than you were because I never saw that. <laughs> you never saw that in like the nope. little okay. Nope. Of Plymouth Plantation again is the book or the personal journal of the governor um, is uh, actually a pretty pro-socialist book because as a small religious group they lived with communal food and property. Is that turkey or is that truth? I'm going to say that's oh I want to say truth, but I'm afraid it's going to be turkey. Yep. It yes. is turkey. Uh, they tried communal food for a while, and they just weren't planting or harvesting that much. And when they finally said, okay, you're on your own, uh, suddenly the women and the children and everybody is out there just busting it. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. Interesting fact. Uh, number yeah. six, we're getting near the end. What's your score? Four to one. Are you really? Yeah. Man, I should have stumped you harder. Uh, the pilgrims ate turkey the first Thanksgiving. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that's that's turkey. That is. Turkey. I don't know why. They, yeah, it, they don't say in the book, but most people say that there were turkey in North America, just not there, and so it, it would probably would have been venison and probably a lot of seafood, just where they lived. Oh, I'm so thankful for turkey. Okay, Douglas, this one's for you. Mm. Turkey or truth? The Cowboys have won over 60% of their games on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. Turkey or truth? I'm going to say truth because they used to win more than they do now. Oh, it is turkey. 58%, 31-21-1. Leon Lett, right? Thanks, <laughs> Leon. Yeah, against the Dolphins. that's right. Could it, you know, they're at 58%. That might have moved him That probably would have done it. Thank you, Leon Lett. I know. I still can remember him diving on that ball and it squirting out. All they had to do was walk off the field to win. Yeah. Okay, so uh, why things are the way that they are. Uh, I think we're going to start off with some church things, right? Yes. Okay, so um, I, I have two to talk about. Okay. How many, how many do you have? Well, I have four, but. Okay, then you're definitely going first. Okay, um, church practices, why do we do the things that we do? Some of them are going to be pretty self-explanatory, but uh, communion, is that one of your two? No. Okay, so obviously we look back to the New Testament, and uh, and there's not a, a command in which it is to be taking, taken on the first day of the week, but it certainly was what was modeled by the first century church. It was, in fact, commanded to take it uh, or, you know, um, it was said that when you take of this, you know, do it in a manner that's pleasing. And so so we know that it's commanded the frequency in which it was to be taken was, you know, less um, specific. You could argue almost that the early church, there's like this idea that there was some daily breaking yes, of bread. Yes, Acts 2, and they so, met together daily and broke bread together. And so the question is, well, are, daily, are breaking bread, is that like were they just eating or were they like literally— communing 
in a spiritual sense. Yeah, and their and their meals and their communion service do kind of seem to get merged because we know at least in Corinth that they were committing the sin of gluttony, right? Yes. They were over eating yes. and over indulging, and so yeah, I, yeah. I always kind of wondered, you know, Jesus says, as often as, as you, you take of this, yeah. like every time you eat bread. Yeah. So. so good communion is obviously a practice that we regularly participate in. Okay, it's a good thing. All right. Uh, I wanted to go with things you don't even think about doing that you just do. Okay. And one of those is Bible classes. Okay. And so um, I looked up. So I nearly think that's like our tribe, our fellowship. We call them Bible classes. In other denominations, they call them Sunday schools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we use that that phrase here too. But uh, in Britain during the Industrial Revolution, so I think 17. 17- 80s, uh, there was a uh, gentleman by the name of uh, Robert uh, Rakes, and he promoted Sunday schools as a way to give children a education. Uh, they were working in factories, um, even on Saturdays, and so Sunday is the one day that the kids didn't have to work, and so they would use the Bible to teach reading and to teach writing, and by 1850s, they were super popular uh, parents that didn't attend church would send the kids. And he says that this was the norm in England and even in the States up until about the 1960s that just most kids went to Sunday school when they were children, even if the parents didn't go. Mm. And I never realized how popular Sunday schools were. Yeah. I just I, thought I they were either. kind of for the church crowd. Yeah, that for especially that, that so many of the kids would go, even if some of the adults wouldn't. Uh, there were lots of events around them. There were picnics and parties and parades and prizes. And so, yeah, Sunday school was just a bigger deal a century ago than what I was aware of. Yeah, for sure. So that's how it started out, though. Okay. Uh, another one that I have that it does seem kind of weird. One of our traditions is the fact that we consistently meet. Uh, and I think we just take it for granted that that's what we're supposed to do. But there was a, a time period where we didn't. And if anybody thought before uh, COVID, before the, the pandemic, uh, that, that oh, you know what, I, I don't know that meeting is really that important. Um, when we went for that time period without meeting, all of a sudden it was pretty obvious that even people who would, who would call themselves introverts would be like, yeah, I need to get out. Like, I'm, this is this is not good for me. And so, you know, of course, Hebrews ten talks about you know we should we shouldn't get in the habit of of, of missing out, but like we should consti- consistently come. And so, I mean, it is a biblical practice. But like the idea of we can just sit at home and 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 podcast year round is something that that I think almost no one would say. Oh, that's a really good idea. It is interesting that the new testament just takes for granted that the church is going to meet like it is commanded i guess in hebrews 10 but in so many other places it's just assumed you know paul paul just says when you gather together i don't know how many times mm-hmm. um yeah it's just it's just assumed yeah. and even the day is kind of assumed yes which is interesting because it was different from the jewish sabbath which was yes. saturday and so just the day is even pretty much assumed. I mean, it's mentioned a few times, but it's never like laid out in mm-hmm. scripture is like, well, 
the Jews would meet on the Sabbath, which was Saturday, but the Christians are going to meet on the first day. I mean, Paul could have written a paragraph about that, yeah. and he never does. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. And and he never even addresses addresses like when it was as though it was never a problem anywhere else. Like, I mean, they they had issues about you know were they eating food that was sacrificed by animals? They had a lot of problems, but one that was never addressed was when should we meet? So. They had it figured out early on. Yeah. Resurrection Day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wednesday night meetings. Okay. I got. I looked into this, and so um, when the pilgrims came, uh, they started meeting Sunday nights and Thursday mornings in addition to Sunday morning. And so uh, that really didn't catch on. And then in um, then Charles Finney and D.L. Moody, when they were doing missionary campaigns, uh, they would have— meetings at noon in the cities that they were going to preach in. And so that kind of got people thinking about meeting during the week. And then uh, really it didn't get big um, until the 1900s, and um, they were mainly focused on prayer. And so those those noon meetings for prayer during the campaign kind of grew, and they moved to the evening when more people could go. And it wasn't until the 1950s that it really kind of caught on as being just kind of another church service, that it was more teaching and preaching than only prayer. And so I called D.A. Cochran today, and I was like, when did Taylor Street start meeting in the middle of, of the week? And he thought that possibly when that started, it started on Tuesday night hmm. and not on Wednesday night, but he wasn't sure, and he had some stories about some of the buildings that they used to meet in, and they involved horses that were used to build the first roads with. Oh, and wow. so if you want to learn the history of that, D.A. Cochran is the guy to call to talk to. And so, yeah, um, Wednesday nights have kind of functioned as a, our front porch. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably the time that we're the most welcoming as, as far as we have a meal and we sit around tables. And it's just very much time of fellowship. And so it's just interesting that, I mean, it's not in the Bible to have a specific Wednesday night service but it does seem like that the that the uh, early church that their members met for meals constantly, yeah. and so it's nearly like the most early church thing that we kind of do as far as that midweek we get together, we have a meal, we talk about things that are important to God. Yeah, yeah. The, the midweek prayer service is what I remember here being called growing up. I don't know that I've ever been a part of one of those. Uh, you're a youngster. <laughs> Okay, so you took one of mine, and fair enough. So that means basically we have three and three. But this last one is one that we both probably could weigh in a little bit on that. And one of the things that we do is acapella singing. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said, more than we have time in this or, or 20 different podcasts. But, but yeah, that's certainly something that we do. And, and certainly part of it has to do with what we read that is maybe not com- commanded, but definitely inferred in the New Testament. It's something that was practiced early on, and we continue to do it to this day. Yeah. Um, you know, if people, if you're listening to this and you're new to the churches of Christ, um, if if you're wondering why we do certain things, I mean, the answer probably is because uh, that's what the early church did. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, almost no scholar at all debates that the early church didn't use instruments. And in fact, even a lot of the theological giants of other denominations still practiced a cappella singing. Charles Spurgeon is one that I recently read about. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's the most famous Baptist preacher. And so most 
Christian groups were a cappella for um, a lot of their early history. Yeah, and they had good reason to. I mean, uh, uh, did, did you have somebody who could play an instrument? Did you have access to an instrument? Uh, could you afford an instrument? Did you want an instrument to be dr- drug around and and or heard in a time where Christians went under more and more, more, more and more persecution? Like it, it doesn't really make sense for them to have have used instruments. That's definitely true for a couple of centuries. But by the time Rome is building yeah. cathedrals, you can afford an instrument and you can afford sure. to pay people to pay, to play them. And even the early Catholic Church was a cappella. Mm-hmm. Even that word means out of the chapel. Yeah, church music out of the chapel was just a cappella. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a heritage that I definitely love, that I that I cling to, mm-hmm. that I cherish. Um, yeah, that's a good one. So, okay, there we go. That's it. That's all you got. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so now I think we're just going to talk a little bit about our ministries and kind of why we do the things that we do. So sure. if you hear us doing things at Taylor Street, uh, we have prayerly, prayerfully and thought about these things. I don't know where the click came from. Um, I think it's gone now. Um, and so, yeah, we just want to talk a little bit yeah. about that. I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we do is we have lots and lots of, of Bible lessons. And it's uh, lots of, uh, of teaching, and, and we are trying to— uh, to make some changes in a, a little bit, but it, if if you come and join us, you'll probably figure out that what we do on Sunday morning in worship is pretty similar to what we do on in Sunday morning Bible class, and it's also pretty similar to what we do on uh, Wednesday night in our Bible class. and And we we believe that 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 teaching and worshiping is is really of utmost importance. It's we believe that the word of God is transforming, and because of that, we we find ourselves doing a lot of that, and uh, we don't lean into fellowship uh, quite as much. And um, but we spend a lot of time focusing in on um, teaching uh, and 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 preaching and having one person uh, or a couple of different people. Uh, who are sharing to a, a large group of participants who do a lot more listening than they do sharing. Yeah. So it's not like a small group setting. Yeah. So, but that's, we do that, but it's very important. Uh, teaching and learning and worshiping is very important. Yeah. So that's something that, that you see a lot of at Taylor Street. Yeah. Just something that I want to mention. There's, there's kind of, I think about ministry in terms of, uh, I have opportunities with our students. And so they come into the youth group when they're in the sixth grade. And, and I say, okay, I'm going to have a couple of hours a week tops with these students. And so Sunday morning is really focused on on studying the Word, mm-hmm. just like you mentioned. I have a sequence and scope that we get through the New Testament um, that we read every verse. And the Old Testament we kind of do a um, survey of. From the time I get them in sixth grade until I graduate them out when they are seniors, and so that's that's kind of my Sunday mornings is I want students to have a, a good scope and sequence and foundation and kind of know those stories and the order in which they go to where they become not uh, only lovers of the word but doers of, of the word, and so that's an opportunity that I try to take advantage of, and then something else that um, I I pray about and think about a lot is how do they spend their social time? Because teens are hyper-social. They are are very 
very connection driven. And so our life group time is just one of the funnest times of my week where we get the kids together and we just fellowship and just hang out. And if you were a fly on on the wall, you wouldn't say, well, I bet that's what the early church did, right? Mm -hmm. Like it wouldn't look super spiritual. We're not singing songs necessarily. We're not necessarily have our noses in the Bible. Um, There's just a lot of fun, just a lot of games. We do pray for things at that time. Um, but it really is just a chance for those kids to be bonded to one another. And um, ultimately, what I really want is for them to be bonded to the church for the rest of their lives. And so um, those are, are two things that I try to focus on is learning the word and just growing together. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so another thing that I, I hope that you would notice something that we do here, and it's it's driven by the belief that that God is first and he's primary in, in everything that we do. And so we do something a little silly that some of you may have noticed. Some of you uh, may have looked at it and thought, I don't really get that or, or maybe think it's up there for a different reason. But we start off before worship starts off. We have a countdown screen. And I know it seems kind of a little weird, a little hokey, maybe even a little cheesy. Like, why are we counting down to worship? Um, that's the real reason is not because we feel like we have, we have to start at exactly, you know, nine o'clock. The real reason is we want to say, Hey, we are about to invite God into our worship and he's most important. It's like, if you can imagine like being at a surprise party and you're anxiously awaiting that the the guest of honor to show up, everybody's like, Oh, they should be here any minute now. And the excitement we hope that builds and, and, and really the holiness in which, we, we believe that when God comes in, it is a sacred time and place. And so that's one of the big deals. Another thing is, um, before we start our, our time uh, together, is we get our, our leaders together who are going to be participating in, in communion or in prayers or song leadings or uh, leading the children's church, as we all get up together and we have a prayer. And just almost every week, we in that prayer, you know, it's it's talked about how remember not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you, be the glory. And so we we want to always say, hey, when we get up there, it's not about the song leader or the songs. It's not about the preaching or the preacher. It is it's about God first. And so that's something that we really always want to push. And and I hope that is that seen that's evident in the way that we worship. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Okay. That's all that I've got. I got one more, though. We'll go one more. I do have one more. I also think we have those primary reasons, but a secondary reason, which we think is very important, is relationships are vital. Uh, And I I got to experience this in a little bit different way than normally. I've been here for coming on uh, 11 years now, and we we had live groups this most uh, recent go-round. And for the first time, I was a part of a live group that I wasn't leading. And I, I like, I don't mind leading, and I love the the prep and the study that goes into it. I always like to, to learn, but this this is the first time where I didn't lead. I just sat there, and it was it was just so enjoyable um, because I didn't feel like I was on the hook for having to uh, to you know to make sure that I I said what was supposed to be said or facilitated the right way. I just got to be there and enjoy it. I got to learn. I got to really work, uh, um, focus on relationships. And so it was really special. I mean, it was, I just, I've, a lot of people have heard me say the last few months that the, that's been the favorite hour of my week is when I get to go into the live groups and just sit there and soak it in. And it, it's been really great. And um, and I, I get to thank you for it because you you took over the live group that I had been teaching 
uh, you swapped out with me so I could just go and, and learn. That was great. And then the other reason why uh, evidence, there's evidence that we think re- relationships are important is our Wednesday night meal. Um, yeah, when, when we have a Wednesday night meal, it definitely brings in more people because it's hard to get people fed and get them to our little kids fed and get them to church on time if we didn't have that. But there's just something special to, to see people sitting around the table and breaking bread together, however you want to define that, and, and we're just really fellowshipping uh, together. And so that's a that's a really important time for us. So uh, I, I think re- relationships are important. Yeah. So let's finish with a plug then. Okay. Plug. L- okay. Life groups, right. this season is winding down. Yep. But they're coming back in January. Yes, they are. So the sign-up sheets are going to be new. If you want to change groups, it is judgment-free. Yeah. If you, if you weren't um, part of a group, then we want you to be in a life group. Yeah. If you loved your life group and you think, man, that was an awesome life group, it's getting a little big, then then start visiting with some folks and say, hey, can can I rob a few of you and let's start our own? Because ultimately we we want to have as many people as possible in life groups. Yes, and we want to multiply those. Yes, we, we don't want to have one life group of 200 people. <laughs> yeah, because at that point it's just another church. Service, yes. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we want to build relationships, and man, it is a great way to do that. Yeah, and Doug and I are going through a book now that's called Simple Church, and, yes. and that's one of the things that they talk about is love God, and you can focus on that primarily in those large group settings and then the second thing that we should be focused on as followers of christ is to love others and yeah. life groups are awesome for that yeah so. they can do things that you can't do while sitting in a you know an auditorium that seats 800 you know sitting across from somebody who you know you never share the, uh, the same pew with yeah and so life groups are coming back in january yeah all right okay happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving hold on enjoy turkey and not seafood. Well, I don't know. If you want to eat sea- seafood, that's fine. All right. I've got to do it one more time. Okay, here we go. That's Lance signing off. Amen. <laughs>